So, uh, you made it to episode 23, Blind Ambitions. Once again, the uh, format is being broken. <laughs> so, <laughs> so should the intro. <laughs> so somber. <laughs> Today, uh, I'm joined by Brent and Ski to go over the 23rd <laughs> installment of Sophia's Choice, the Golden Girls podcast. Do we say hello? <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if you do at this point. Um, I think that Hi. All, Hi. all of our normal routines are once again for the second time this season out the window because Brent will be doing our recap, followed by, uh, of course, our ratings and MVPs for the episode. So I'll go ahead and without any continued tomfoolery, turn it over to Brent uh, for the recap. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to really throw things off as much as possible when uh, when we're changing up the recap. So anytime that happens, I may or may not uh, okay. change change the whole way I open the show. All right. Well, to continue with that theme, you know, like Alan mentioned, this is episode XXIII. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I anticipate the rest will be in Latin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so now it's uh, Blind the Ambitions, original air date, the 29th of March, 1986. Uh, that was the second anniversary of the Baltimore Colts fleeing in the darkness and leaving Baltimore. And I've never seen The Wire, but I assume it all had a happy ending. Um, yeah, I mean, it had a happy ending up to 2007 when they culminated that, uh, you know, in the middle of the night with the Super Bowl victory here in Indianapolis. And ever since then, though, it's kind of been... Little, kind of been a rocky road. A little less happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so I think we should consider, at this point, the Colts' history to end in 2007 with the victory at a championship. <laughs> okay. and, We're and, number one. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And if they do win another championship down the road, then we'll go ahead and continue out their legacy to whatever that new mm-hmm. year would be. So how many years was Peyton Manning in Indianapolis after winning the Super Bowl? Let's see. It was, I want to say, five years after that. Five years uh, four after. or five years because – they went back to the Super Bowl a couple years later, um, but they lost uh, to the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he was here another season mm-hmm. after that before he had his – well, he had an injury, so he was on the team for yeah, a year yeah. where he missed the whole year, and then that's when we got Andrew Luck. I forget, um, did he even play the uh, preseason games? or was it the In Bulls? the injury year? No. Yeah. He, yeah, he didn't play at all that year. Um, How many years was he at Denver? Four years, I think it was. Four years, yeah. sounds yeah. right. So. Um, which, of course, you know, Peyton is, is I think, uh, should be the, the favorite Colt of any Indianapolis Colt fan in history. But He's my favorite Colt, not named Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> so would you consider Larry Bird to be the greatest quarterback of all time? <laughs> he was a game maker. I mean, I mean it, it is true. I mean, if you want to give the analogy, um, of, you know. <laughs> So, so if you were ranking the greatest directors of episodes of the Golden Girls, would Larry Bird be top of your list? <laughs> he would. Um, and in a close second, I'd go with Terry Hughes, oh, okay. <laughs> who also directed 100 episodes of Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, very nice. So, But we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so original air date, 29 March, 1986. Uh, Eric Idle was turning 43. Uh, Bud Court was turning 38. And America's sweetheart, Jennifer Capriotti, was turning 10. Uh, America's Sweetheart is definitely um, 
Judy Garland? No, it's not Judy Garland. <laughs> it is... Uh, would have been Mary Lou Retton probably at the time. Uh, it, it, probably at the time it would have been Mary Lou Retton. But I think that the title of America's Sweetheart... I'm going to have to cut this whole section because I can't think of the name. Caroline Ray. Caroline Ray. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yes. Caroline Ray, America's Sweetheart from... Uh, well, for many things, but but I believe she got that moniker from um, from her time on uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. <laughs> yes. You're thinking Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that this brain injury I got a few years ago is definitely coming back to haunt me right now. <laughs> Can't believe I couldn't even put the name on America's Sweetheart, Caroline Ray. Irregardless of who the true sweetheart was, um, you know, March 29th, 1986, they were all listening to the number one song in America, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Oh, very nice. So, uh, yeah, like we said, directed by Terry Hughes. Uh, he did 100 episodes of Third Rock from the Sun. And I'd heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this episode was co-written uh, by Bob Cleary. Uh, who was a pretty big deal on Benson, mm. and Susan Harris, who's best known around this part for you know creating Benson. Mm. So she created something else too, didn't she? I something didn't get similar? that far in her Wikipedia. <laughs> so did she have anything to do with um... the creation of the Golden Girls? <laughs> 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 well, I just wonder if she had anything to do with the Cosby Show, or um, there was a couple other. Uh, there was one other serious thing that was mentioned on this one. Um, in addition to Benson, you know, which we'll get to that as we... Yeah. They also mentioned Dallas. Dallas, yeah. Did she have anything to do with Dallas? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So, um, episode starts, uh, you know, we see an airplane in the Miami skyline. We cut to a brief scene <laughs> of three elderly ladies hugging. It's implied they're golden girls. <laughs> so. is, is there a song that accompanies this opening? <laughs> But it was on mute because I was just watching while I drove here. Oh, okay. <laughs> As you typed, typed out your exactly. recap. Exactly. I like the idea of you driving with one knee on the steering wheel, one hand on your phone so you can watch it, one hand typing furiously. <laughs> oh, IBM Selectric yes. plugged into the cigarette I like lighter. that your exactly. synopsis is also printed, which infers that you took the printer along with you while you drove. Well, I'd like to it's think that it's... Box like Knight Rider. <laughs> I'd like to think it was one of those old fashioned printers where you tear it off and then you have the little strips on Dot each side. Matrix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, hurry up. I got an episode to recap. Exactly. So, obviously, since I'm doing the recap, Ski's doing the Foley work. Yeah. I have to, I have to be worth of something, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I appreciate you stepping your, your game up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anywho, um, Act One, Scene One's out on the Lanai. Um, you know, Dorothy's grilling steaks. Um, a lady we've not seen before, Lily, likes hers medium. I assume that's medium rare. Maybe it's medium well. I'm not sure. I'm a medium well kind of guy. Just like a tiny sliver of pink. That's all I like in a steak. Well, wouldn't you consider medium just to be right in the middle of the two? No, because like there's medium rare and medium well. Isn't there just medium, though? Yeah, uh, there is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's well done, medium well, medium, medium rare, and then rare. So I think it's like a five-stage process. Yeah, yeah. And then there's really that... gross blue. Have you heard of that? Uh-uh. Is that uh, super rare? Yes. It's like, basically, <laughs> do you want some disease? Here, have some steak that's not cooked. <laughs> I think it's impossible 
for it to truly be medium. I think it's always going to be a hair above or a hair below, and you're pretty much running the risk that they will be on the wrong side of that hair. Mm. You should always tell them which way to err on the side of. Well, I can grant that, but I still think that medium can just imply you want it somewhere in the middle range. You know, because if you say there's like five stages and 20% of the time it's cooking, it's rare. 20% of the time it's cooking, it's medium rare. 20% it's medium, you know, and so on. Uh, I, I think that if you're in that middle 20, then you're mm-hmm. then you qualify as medium. So okay. <laughs> who's, who's doing the recap here? <laughs> well, you. But you know, I'm not going <laughs> to. My recap, my rules. He, he jumped in when he heard some, some you know, concern about steak preparation. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I did cook out today, Brent. Did you? Not today, no. Okay, so I think even though there was no steaks involved in the cooking, <laughs> out, um, I did. I had steak on Friday though. Oh, did you? Yeah. How did you have that cooked? Um, actually, I um, I broiled it for the first time um, in our toaster oven. Um, have you ever done that? I don't think I've ever broiled anything. Um, so basically, um, yeah, you use a toaster oven. You put the um, like the normal one pan or whatever put it down at the bottom to catch the grease Mm -hmm. and then put like the rack in there um, towards the heat source at the top and put the steak in it. It's sort of like a reverse grill where the heat's coming down then the fat falls through the bottom and then you pull it out and flip it about halfway through and put it back in there Hmm. and do it the other way. And yeah, it was, it came out really well. So I might try that again sometime, but I'd never done that before. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I've heard the term broiling plenty Mm -hmm. of times. People have a specific part of their, oven i think that's considered the broiler right that bottom drawer sort of part of an oven is oftentimes a broiler i think i think that's just for storage down there but well, the broiler turns on there's a bro- there's a broil setting almost always. yeah yeah and it all it does is it just turns on like the hot top heat source mm-hmm. and not the bottom one mm-hmm. so the heat's just coming from one direction okay so i, I guess i always assumed that, that bottom was had a function that people just used to storage because no one broiled anything mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> So Lily, uh, played by uh, Polly Holiday, you know, Emmy-nominated actress for yeah, the portrayal she's of Flo. Definitely one of the biggest guest stars they've had on the show so yeah. far. Maybe the biggest guest star to this point in the yeah. series. Because uh, obviously, you know, she was on a large portion of Alice mm-hmm. and then... and then Flo. Yeah. yeah, and I would say if you had to pick one name that's synonymous with Waitress, Flo's got to be it, right? Exactly. Um, between waitressing and selling discount car insurance. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, she had just been in Gremlins also. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably the one of the best scenes in the entire movie because mm-hmm. she's the old lady that she kind of plays almost like the Wicked Witch type of a mm-hmm. character in that yeah. movie and you know has the scene where she her her chair or whatever you want to call it that goes up the steps you know goes shooting out the window i forgot about that <laughs> yeah oh man i loved that movie when i was growing up well yeah she opens the door and the gremlins they're singing like their carol um, <laughs> yeah which I, I guess i read that carol they sing there is just the um the theme song to the gremlins movie but they're you know doing it in carol type fashion mm-hmm. and then she runs away i love that they were all dressed in uh, winter attire right Seems they were busy, you know, terrorizing town. But at least they had the time to, you know, put on a little holiday spirit. Well, I didn't realize. I guess later in the movie, uh, one of the gremlins shows up with her wig on that she wears <laughs> in the earlier part of the movie. Nice. So, but yeah, yeah, an excellent guest actress, uh, yeah. just in a general sense. Yeah, exactly. So, welcome, Polly. I'm glad to have you this episode. 
so Sophia is not a fan of outdoor cooking. You know, she thinks it's just what the poors do. Um, and then Blanche spends a few moments telling about her love of barbecue, you know, and the local yokels who would fight over licking her clean. Uh, they didn't have moist towelettes in the South. Yeah, apparently time. not. <laughs> um, yep. And then, you know, Blanche leaves because, you know, she worked herself into a hot flash and she needs to get some lemonade. Uh, Rose follows that story with a story of her father taking her and her sister, this Lily lady, uh, camping when they were lasses. Uh, you know, Lily followed it up with a scandalous comment that their father didn't really take them very far. They just went to the other side of the barn. Rose seems befuddled by that, didn't she? She does. Now, <laughs> did you get the impression that uh, it seemed like it would go either way, that either Rose's dad unintentionally was taking them to the other side of the barn <laughs> and that uh, <laughs> none of them realized that that's where they were at until mm-hmm. later on? Um or that probably the more likely scenario is that he was just tricking the other children, although Rose never caught on, that they were just driving around to the back of the barn. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, th- I think you could imply that Rose maybe doesn't, that apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. So Rose and Lily um, have another sister, Holly. Okay. Um, so apparently, like, when you get adopted by the Lindstroms, they change your name to something, you know, fauna-related. <laughs> <laughs> interesting so are, are all of uh, rose's uh, siblings adopted is that something that's discussed at some point yeah um because when i was double checking when i was looking up what the other sister's name was to see if it was flower based as well mm-hmm. yeah it looked like they were all adopted hmm, interesting. So the lindstroms did not have any biological children well i guess that kind of explains a little bit you know the what nature versus nurture how mm-hmm. you know how much of a go-getter and, you know, mm. it, it, yeah, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. I, you know, but the difference between the two sisters is pretty vast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I got the impression that like Rosa's parents would be more towards the Lily side of the spectrum. If we were talking about industriousness, mm-hmm. you know, like Rose was the black sheep of the family. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, Rose seems to be industrious enough. I mean, obviously she was almost the, uh, you know, friend, uh, of health friends of the year or whatever it was uh, <laughs> winter. I mean, she was, she seems to be fairly industrious. She just seems to be really simple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, in the previous episode, you know, even after being let go, she's like, no, no, I'm continuing my work. Yeah. For her four, 12 hours <laughs> a day shifts at the, at the cafe that she took a job at. Well, I was talking about still hel- helping the uh, previous Milton. clients. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was really dedicated. Um, she's like, she's like I will pro not. bono for Milton. Yeah. <laughs> So Blanche then returns with some lemonade, and you know before she can pour some glasses, Lily volunteers to help. Um, Lily then proceeds to wipe her hands all over the rims of the Golden's glasses. Um, <laughs> you know she blames her poor hygiene on going blind six months earlier. Yeah, I uh, I worked at McDonald's for a, a stretch of time, four years during my uh, late teens, early twenties, and one time we had to make McFlurries, you know, for people in drive-through or whatnot, or for whoever the customers were. And I guess I had held a cup right by the top of the rim mm. while I was putting the ice cream in it. Yeah. And then when I went to give it to the customer, she insisted that I remake it because my hands had been inside of her cup. Yeah. Apparently, these golden girls do not have the same kind of concerns <laughs> when it comes to the hygiene of Lily. <laughs> but perhaps if I had been blind, then that customer would have been more forgiving. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking of somebody handy capable at McDonald's, um, I was at McDonald's and I was 16, 17, whatever, just as a customer. 
And um, the gentleman came in and gave me one of those cards, you know, proclaiming he was a deaf mute oh, sure. and asking for money or whatever. And so, yeah, I gave him five bucks. Um, From the drawer? No, no, I was, I was just a customer. <laughs> it, it had access to the drawer. So, Courtesy of the restaurant, sir. <laughs> Anywho. Um, but I was too young to worry about whether or not he was going to spend the money on drugs or alcohol right. or something like that. But, but it was a moot point because I saw him in the drive-thru five minutes later. Did you say, <laughs> did you say it was a mute point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, moot point. <laughs> the, yeah. Now, in fairness, I said mute. working there, I had had people in the drive-thru that handed me those cards. Uh, mm. Like they would drive straight up to the oh, order gotcha. to like the first window yeah. and hand a card in saying like, yeah, I can't. And mm-hmm. you know, they weren't asking for free food. They just couldn't order in the traditional mm-hmm. way. So um, then they like do hand gestures for like number three. Yeah, basically. Like, you know. No tomato. <laughs> right. Yeah, they would have to, you know, show like a Fozzie type thing. Of, you <laughs> exactly. know, tell me a bad joke so I'd understand that they wanted walk, no tomatoes. Walk, walk, walk. <laughs> Sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's funny. So you may not have been duped by that man after all. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like he should have gone ahead and just gone right up to the counter there. It would have been easier to describe exactly. his malady. Yeah. So. Anywho, um, the girls then start talking about schools for the blind, you know, and Lily mentioned she was a dropout from them. And then um, Rose says that's okay because Lily holds the record for the 100-yard dash, served three terms on the city council, and has her pilot's license. Yeah, was first it city council or I thought that was student council or something? No, I think it was city council. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the changes the my entire was, understanding of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the 100-yard dash was her high school record that still stands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the first woman in St. Olaf to get that pilot's license. So. Mm-hmm. And I think even Blanche, doesn't she say she had something in common with her? Yeah, she first she was, person in her town to have a pilot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I like to think like a pilot's license in St. Olaf is basically like a hot air balloon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a kite, maybe a, a fancy kite. Exactly. Yeah, one of those fighter kites. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they don't have any DC-10s at the St. Olaf <laughs> International Airport. Right. <laughs> So we finish all of this, you know, all of her accolades or whatever, with a shot of, uh, you know, Sophia rapidly fanning herself with a, you know, in that stifling Miami heat. Meanwhile, Dorothy steps away from the grill and takes her place at the table while wearing a long sleeve blouse, a wool gray vest, and a black scarf. As you do when you're cooking out. Exactly. <laughs> For that Miami weather. Exactly. It's pretty pretty chilly over there by the grill so, <laughs> so, so be thinking miami you don't cook out unless it's kind of a cold out because otherwise the heat would just be too unbearable between the grill and the heat outside exactly so exactly. i need to bundle up a little bit exactly <laughs> if you can already cook an egg on the sidewalk you right. don't need to fire up the charcoal grill you had to eat like a homeless person <laughs> exactly <laughs> so but anyways, um, you know, Rose invites Lily to attend an outdoor concert, but Lily says no thanks that St. Elsewhere is on, and she wants to sit around and listen to Howie Mandel put a rubber glove on his head. <laughs> so, But anyways, um, it's sort of a moot point because, you know, the Golden's television's on the fritz, um, broadcast two stations at once, and Sophia comments that she thought Benson was having an affair with Miss Ellie. So, you know, kudos to Susan Harris for working in a plug to her other show. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's just like... It's going to probably wind up to be something uh, almost like Avengers Endgame style where they all come together at the end. <laughs> oh, I think that's what it's all going to lead up to is eventually, you know, like maybe Dorothy ends up married to Benson. And <laughs> exactly. So, 
sequence, and I'll come back in this episode too. So. And then Sophia's going to click her fingers and then snap her fingers rather than have. <laughs> exactly. And they all wake up in bed with Bob Newhart. <laughs> so, um, so Dorothy tells Sophia that the household money spoken for nothing in the budget for a new television. Um, and Sophia's annoyed because all her girlfriends are spending time with Cosby and she's not. Yeah, I thought that was was the best line of the episode because mm-hmm. you know I think she mm-hmm. Sophia says something to the effect of you know what am I supposed to do when they're all talking about Cosby and you know I can't and mm-hmm. Dorothy says uh, well you can sit in the driveway and hope for an amusing black family to drop by and, <laughs> I don't know that was just my favorite line of the episode mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So, um, you know, Rose suggests they sell their television using the per- proceeds to purchase a new one. And, you know, Blanche tells Rose to give it up. You know, she couldn't give it away. And then Lily follows up that suggestion with one that they have a garage sale. Um, so scene one ends and we're 20% finished with the episode. Seems like Lily should have uh, followed up with the suggestion of just buying a radio. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, scene two, um, you know, in the living room, uh, it's later that same day, it's dark outside and, you know, based upon the condition the living room's in, it appears they immediately went to work prepping that garage sale. I did think one thing, just, just from that prior scene, kind of that was the end of it, or at least close to the end of it, Lily says something to the effect about how she made a lot of money, but she would have made more had she been able to tell ones from twenties. <laughs> and it seemed like, you know, I, I believe it's filmed in front of a live studio audience but there was not a laugh, not like the, mm-hmm. the girls didn't give any kind of reaction to it. It just goes right to Blanche. There's no audience reaction to it. So I don't know if they forgot to put in a laugh uh. or if the audience <laughs> just didn't laugh. They're like, oh, that's yeah. sad that the blind woman doesn't know money anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, flow can't manage her finances. <laughs> exactly. So it's not funny. It's just sad. Exactly. <laughs> she, got, she got ripped off. Yeah. yeah. They're worried now that she's been taken because... <laughs> How will she afford her bills? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poor syphilitic flow. Right. So anyways, you know, Dorothy and Rose are going through their stuff, you know, you know, looking at everything they've amassed in their time on the planet. And Lily comments that it's amazing three women can accumulate so much stuff. So it is kind of amazing when you figure they're sharing one house together. So yeah. it only be the stuff they could keep in their closet, assumably yeah. maybe some small amount of shared storage. Yeah, maybe they've got like a little shed or something. But yeah, 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 I guess. But it does seem surprising that they'd have a lot of stuff that was not essential kind of things. Mm-hmm. If you're maybe they've all got individual like use storage places. <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> they've just been keeping up on. They right. said, "We'll just bring it all to the house for yeah. the day and yeah. go through it." Exactly. So. um I was in, you know, Dorothy starts describing a decrepit doll that she found and overhearing this, Sophia assumes she's talking about her. <laughs> and and Blanche enters, um, she shows off what I assume we're supposed to think is a mini skirt. And then she claims to have seen Richie Havids and Bob Dylan at Woodstock. And then she tries to make the audience believe that she'd actually just seen the movie, but Bob Dylan wasn't at the concert or in the movie. <laughs> so the whole story <laughs> bunk. <laughs> I'm glad that you're able to finally put this mystery to rest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then we watch Lily circumnavigate the living room and head to her bedroom to get a sweater because, you know, Miami's chilly. Right. 
Um, scene three's in the kitchen. Uh, it's presumably the next morning. Lily's making some bacon and spontaneously combusts. And then Blanche and Rose come in and put out the fire. Uh, Dorothy comes in and asks what happens. And we find out that Blanche won't hesitate to throw a blind lady under the bus. Oh, yeah. She right, really yeah. doesn't. Like... She was all like, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> exactly. It was this blind bitch who almost burned the house down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think we got something going now. Yeah, definitely. I think this podcast, we're missing our calling because clearly we should be going into the music industry instead. <laughs> For the parody novelty songs. <laughs> right, yes. yes, we could be like uh, the next Weird Al Yankovic, but, you know, in combo form. <laughs> Um, so yeah you know Lily responds that Blanche is being unfair and it could have happened to any of them you know she then leaves the kitchen you know not using a cane because her high horse knows the way (laughs) right now I have never seen a fire break out in the kitchen from okay there's one time I've seen a fire break out in the kitchen I was uh heating up uh a pot of water you know I think basically like make noodles or something you know Mm -hmm. some pasta of some sort and i did not realize but i had turned on the wrong burner it was like one of those flat electric ovens gotcha. and i turned on the wrong burner and on the burner that i had turned on there was a uh, a package of diapers sitting there oh, and no. that package of diapers oh, after no. it heated up burst into flames <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i had to hurry and throw it into the sink and thankfully, there was no damage done. Yeah. But uh, but I've never seen a grease fire start, nor I certainly haven't started one myself. A from, diaper fire, sure. But yeah. from uh, that point forward, did you always keep your babies away from a heat source? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I no longer let them sit on the oven while I was cooking. After that, because <laughs> you know you know what could happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, and all the diaper cream in the world's not going to fix that. So. Exactly. But yeah, that. Uh, I felt like that was a relatively intense fire and, mm-hmm. and could not have happened to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, Blanche and Dorothy try to convince Rose that Lily needs to learn to take care of herself. You know, she's not self-sufficient, needs to continue her education. And then Rose tries to convince them that Lily's an independent lady. And Dorothy says she won't truly be independent until she can be an independent blind lady. So... Uh, scene four is in Rose's bedroom. Uh, Rose goes into the room. She and Lily are sharing. They try to have a conversation. Uh, Lily tells Rose that she's a warrior and a powder. Uh, Rose counters that she has a good reason to this time. Uh, Lily goes over and gets her pink dress, tells Rose it's her favorite because it's the only one she can remember seeing herself in. Rose then stands there and yells at her, saying she needs to learn to take care of herself. Lily grabs, grabs Rose and sits her down. She tells Rose that she spent the past six months trying to learn to live her current condition. And she tells Rose that she's scared and that she needs Rose to come live with her, that she's not going to make it on her own. And then it fades to black. <laughs> now, have we skipped over the uh, the? Garage sale, or no, we not made up. it to that quite yeah. yet. Okay, so um, Act One ends. Where she wanted okay. to move to, I forget Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that's the end of Act One. Act Two um, starts off in the kitchen. Um, you know, it's that same evening. Rose is telling Dorothy and Blanche that you know it makes the most sense for her to move to Chicago to care for Lily. Dorothy tells Rose that she's only taking care of Lily out of guilt, and then Blanche says you shouldn't do anything out of guilt, and then. We know how Dorothy did her part for the war effort. Right. Blanche then tells us what she did for the war effort. And then... Yeah, working in a canteen factory. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um, So Sophia comes in and advocates for the tough love that Dorothy used on her when she had her stroke. And then Sophia grabs a prepared plate of cookies off the counter and tells Rose that if she wants to help her sister, she'll help her to help herself. 
And then Rose leaves, and Blanche is complimentary towards Sophia. And Sophia says it's a win-win situation for her. Either Rose will teach her sister to be self-sufficient, or she'll leave for Chicago, and Sophia can have her bedroom. Now, if you move into a, a house with four older women, or just four women in general, but especially if it's four older women, do you insist that there will be a plate of cookies uh, ready for <laughs> eating at all times? <laughs> Because it, it's very frequent that they walk through the house and there just happens to be a plate of prepared cookies. Exactly. Because <laughs> I don't know what the shelf life for cookies is, but just out on the counter, you think you got a day. <laughs> right, at least, yeah. At least put like a covering over it or something like one of those exactly. like almost cake pan type yeah, style. exactly. Yeah, surely cake they pan. have some of those Pepperidge Farms type of uh, tins <laughs> laying around yeah. the house. Right, <laughs> that yeah. They can throw them into. Exactly. <laughs> now, if I could stop you. Um, oh, you can stop me. Huh. <laughs> uh, normally, my favorite line of the, the the shows and stuff is always one of the better zingers or good lines. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, my favorite line is actually when Sophia says the best way to help her is to learn to, for her to learn to help herself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's my favorite line of this one. Very nice. I didn't want to forget it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. Got any zingers you like so far, Ellen? Oh, well, I mean, zinger-wise, no, there wasn't any that stood out that I can remember offhand. I mean, there was one line where uh, I think Sophia said, I may not be Anne Margaret, but I'm still your mother. Um, Mm -hmm. But still definitely my favorite line of this episode was the uh, the one about the Cosby show. I like that one quite a bit, Humorous black family. Yeah, that was a good line. So uh, for Act 2, Scene 2, uh, we start off in the Lanai, and the garage sale is underway. That is a robust garage sale. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> they must have really put a lot of flyers out or something. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we see all three Goldens working in the Miami sun, wearing either thick sweaters or, in Dorothy's case, a corduroy jacket. <laughs> um, so Sophia and Blanche are being lowballed, you know, for their belongings. They're both offended, although, you know, neither of them use the J word. Right. So, <laughs> well, that's good. That. I'm glad that they <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, um, World War II is still pretty fresh at that point in time. So. Exactly. It was even fresher than Judge Crater's disappearance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, like Sophia, she refuses to sell a picture to L.A. Law's Judge Janice L. Neiman, played by Ann Abbott. And then Blanche refuses to sell some Elvis Presley salt and pepper shakers to L.A. Law's Judge Stephen Gregg played by Bill Gratton. <laughs> you know, I remember saying earlier that uh, before the, we started recording, I was going to find some uh, fun facts because that's mm-hmm. usually your thing. Mm-hmm. I think the one that I was going to bring up, you already brought up. I don't even remember what it was now. Mm-hmm. But you brought it up like fun. so many other facts. Mm-hmm. I feel highly in, in, in un, I can't think of the word. Inadequate. Inadequate <laughs> in, this, in this episode. You have gone far and above your duty, sir. Well, I commend you. You need to take on the Brent role when you're here. You know, I, I keep the ship moving along, you know, and try to interject here and there. And then, you know, normally you're the one doing the recap while Brent comes in with the zingers. So you're really, that's where you're dropping the ball because I haven't heard a lot of zingers coming from your direction yet. So That dot matrix routine was golden. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that. It was all seriousness. I really, really liked that. So. Okay, so I, I take it back. You are fulfilling your, your role Minorly. for this episode. I still think I'm below par. Listen, but, uh, I'm not saying that you're living up to Brent's standards, but I'm also not saying that he's living up to your standards of a correct. recap. So. <laughs> correct. And when it comes to the recaps, I'm the poor man's ski. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Please continue, sir. All right. So then Dorothy receives some interest on Bobby Hull's hockey stick. Uh, she says it'll be, you know, $1,100. Um, they agree to that. He says he'll buy it for $4. She then takes him to the living room. Um, Blanche and Rose follow because they know shenanigans are afoot. 
And then inside, Dorothy and the young man are renegotiating their deal, and he wants $25 to leave her in the hockey stick and never return. Um, the young man um, was never a judge on L.A. Law, <laughs> but he did play assistant state attorney Peyton Burnside on Judgy Gaming. <laughs> now, I, I would have sworn. I, I mean, and I was sure when I went to look him up on IMDb, I was sure that that was Richard Boners to Bone um, from Growing Pains. Uh I was I was shocked. Oh yeah, no, I, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> I was sure that's who it was, and I was yeah. really surprised to find out that no, he's a completely different actor. Yeah. With you know, no, I thought it was Boner as well. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of actors ended up with little you know short speaking roles because their robust garage sale scene. <laughs> um, exactly. But um, I think when they found out they're working with Polly Holiday, they're like, "I'll work for scale." Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, so then we see the Golden sitting on their couch. Um, you know, they all agree that they're hoarders, and then they decide to go to the Renaissance Center to get a new television. Uh, they head back outside. They kick the frugal masses to the curb. Um, but before they can get out the door, Rose is stopped by Lily, who's still there. We've just not seen her in a while. Right. Um, I like the fact that when they decide to finally get a new TV, just on what they have, it's a relatively easy decision. Like yeah. they before mm-hmm. it made it sound like, oh no, we can't afford one right now. Exactly. But now all of a sudden it's. It's not. It's barely an inconvenience. <laughs> like, I'd rather go ahead and throw in and pay the rent center up charge mm-hmm. than to um, really if they just to get rid of our old junk. Although that Bobby Hole <laughs> hockey stick being sold was a little ridiculous. Like the the salt and pepper shaker, sure, and the picture mm-hmm. that's fine too. But you know, you're talking about a piece of sports memorabilia from. I'm not a big hockey fan, but I do know the Bobby Hole's one of the probably top two or three names in the history of hockey. <laughs> so. So yeah, that one. I think Bobby Hole's probably my second most favorite hockey player, not named Larry Bird. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the top, <laughs> right? <laughs> so your second favorite, not named Larry Bird. So who is your number one favorite then, not named Larry Bird? Wayne Gretzky. Oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't think of what was. Oh, the. Happy Gilmore. That's oh. what I was. <laughs> that was what I was trying to think of, and I failed miserably. So you just went with Wayne Gretzky. You're like, I need another hockey name. It's not coming to me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why. I, yeah, I just couldn't get there. So I apologize. <laughs> no, it's all right. What was the uh, the one on The Simpsons? Bart had that uh, card that he had uh, given to his uh, to Miss Krabappel. Uh, oh, uh, I, I think that was um, Bobby Orr, or uh, who, who was it? Do you guys remember? I just remember Lee Trevino was putting challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the one where he tripped Miss Krabappel. I love that one. That, yeah. he had, that she had a secret admirer, or that she was in like a correspondence relationship with somebody and had used mm-hmm. a hockey player's picture for Not that. Sure. But anyways, it's a, neither here nor there. It wasn't Happy Gilmore. It definitely wasn't Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a possibility that it was Bobby Hall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anywho, um, so they start to head back outside. Um, but Lowly stopped. Rose is stopped by Lily, you know, who needs help navigating the two feet from the doorframe to the couch. Um, so Rose gets her situated. Lily asks for some water and Rose says that, you know, if she can't hydrate herself, she's helpless, you know, which is scary. And then Lily says that it scares her too. Uh, Rose tells Lily she ain't going to Chicago with her. Um, Lily does not make it easy on Rose, um, nor does she make it easy on the shrubbery that's between the couch and the hallway. So yeah, that ends act two. Now, boy, she really, granted, it's starting to fire, I think, would spook somebody mm-hmm. into being more 
cautious with what mm-hmm. they're doing. So yeah. I, I could see that, but it doesn't seem like the fire is what all of a sudden makes her revert into being, you know, basically helpless. Yeah. It's just that Rose gave her a talking to. I mean, do you think it's like, oh, my, you know, mentally impaired sister doesn't think I can take care of myself. <laughs> and so I must really be worse off than I thought I was. So yeah. I better start being a lot more, uh, you know, yeah. reliant on other people to yeah. help me through this. Gordy Howe, by the way. Gordy Howe. Oh, that's oh, who was on the, the yes. dust card. Okay. That makes sense. I think well, he... He's one of my favorites just for that reason alone. <laughs> now, would you put him above Larry Bird, though? Uh, he's one of the ones that's not Larry. I mean, he's, oh, okay. He's one of the favorites that's not named Larry Bird. Okay. I think mm-hmm. it has to be the definer, you know. Mm-hmm. But as far as hockey players that are named Larry Bird, Larry Bird would be your favorite? <laughs> I would think at least one of them. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because at least that's established now, so... Well, yeah. Right. I mean, I think it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. Did Larry Bird be your favorite hockey player? <laughs> That's named Larry Bird. I'm just saying, if you're going to say somebody is the athlete of the century, mm-hmm. it's just implied that they could play any sport. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so even if it's a sport that, um, I don't know, like, like would you say that he's your favorite women's basketball player as well like every sport regardless of gender classifications or does it only count for the sport and not the gender well i think it would only count for sports for which he would be eligible to participate oh, okay fair enough okay but he was wicked at badminton now how far do you <laughs> go in sports like would you call him like would you say if he's your favorite jockey as well as like your favorite <laughs> um i'm just saying like if the three of us were sitting around discussing cricket and one of you sons of bitches mentions chauncey st john <laughs> i would be like he is my favorite cricket player not named larry bird <laughs> well i mean that would almost inevitably happen because <laughs> i think we've had this conversation enough that you know chauncey st john's name would come up <laughs> i'll be honest I forgot it seconds after he said it because I was laughing too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that my memory, even though uh, it, it seemed like to fail me here recently, <laughs> at least I can retain something for you you know, three to five seconds. So. Exactly. It's power. It's yeah. power. Knowledge mm-hmm. is power. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> cool. So, so Act 3 starts off, you know, in the living room. Um, we find out it's two months later. Rose is attempting to get to the airport to fly to Chicago. Um, you know, she's going to Chicago with the intention of sticking to her guns. Um, she has a few false starts getting out the door. Um, but then, you know, she can finally make it out the door with a taste of Dorothy and Blanche on her lips. And then scene two is in the Chicago airport terminal. Um, Rose... I like that description. <laughs> Just to be clear. I don't know if Ski even caught it because you go through your, your rapid fire. Um, Recap. So, did did you catch him saying that she needed the taste of uh, <laughs> Blanche and Rose on her lips, <laughs> or Blanche and uh, Dorothy? I, Dorothy, yeah. I heard lips, but I, I didn't. I thought I was like, I must have missed another detail. Yeah, I feel like I have to slow you down a little bit because you're like, I'm still gonna get my zingers in, even if I'm not in the zinger <laughs> position. <laughs> so now you just have to work them into your recap. I kind of like the subtle, like. Throwing them in there though, so subtle that even the co-host doesn't <laughs> doesn't catch them. Exactly. <laughs> just a dry humor. So, but no, I mean that's what happens, right? Well, yeah, yeah. It's just to give them a kiss, but I think that you make it far more salacious. <laughs> so, so is that what they have in like Vegas? A dry humor? 
<laughs> sure. Um, so, like, yeah, we're in uh, scene two, back three, at the Chicago airport terminal. Um, Rose departs the plane and has an awkward encounter with a black flight attendant because they all look the same to Rose. Um, <laughs> flight attendants <laughs> all look the same. Um, Lily's waiting at the airport for Rose. You know, she brought her assistant's animal, Becky. Um, Lily's apologetic to Rose for the way that she acted. You know, she wanted to come to Ro- Rose to come to Chicago so she could tell her she was right. And it was this whole thing that seems like it could have been resolved over the telephone before she came. Yeah. How could a blind person talk on the phone, though? Really? Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, I thought it was, there was a, I don't know, a goofy pun. Overall, I thought that, you know, Polly Holiday did a great job and, and just in general was a really good guest actress on the show. Real quick. I'm sorry. Um, the flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Um was that. she a judge on L.A. Law? No, but um, she played a senator on Benson. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, so that's the tie-in. Exactly. <laughs> You've been waiting in, in for game. the whole time. I was telling exactly. you, Alan. For the, <laughs> the listeners at home who thought I wasn't going to be able to tie it all back together like I promised up front. <laughs> so, nice little bow, isn't it? Yeah, so so Polly Holiday and Yeah, just sister. there was a real ham-fisted line near the end where she, I think, tells Rose, I needed you to see that you were right. She even emphasizes the word see in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that seems a little unnecessary. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Because it, was, it wasn't really funny, but it was still a pun. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was awkward. I think the only thing that... Oh, I'm sorry. Can we come back to that in a second? Yeah, sure. So, um, so then the show ends, you know, with just one golden. Right. And I think that's like the first time they've ever ended with just oh, the golden. Just, just one by single by herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. I so, can't do another one. Um, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. It was just such an awkward moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I see what they're doing there. And like, the only thing that could have made it more awkward is that like, Polly Holiday's like, well, I needed you to see that I could do this. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, just Rose looking at the cameras like, and I needed you to kiss my grits. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was that close catchphrases kiss my grits. Yeah. Okay. I I, I wasn't sure. I knew that that was from Alice or Flo. Yeah. From one of the shows. I didn't know that it was Flo that actually. Yeah. Was was her catchphrase was kiss my grits. That would have been fantastic um, if that would have ended that way. But yeah. So overall, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good episode. Um, Definitely, I, I would say the most dramatic played for dramas, you know, sake in parts of any of the episodes, I think, so far. I mean, there's been a few that have had dramatic portions of it, but still played in a comedic way, yeah. whereas this one had some dramatic portions that were actually played in a dramatic way. Yeah. But. It seemed like like the first act just dragged on forever, and then the second act, Lily just disappeared and then she shows up again at the very end. She's like, I can do stuff. Well, she right. didn't have anything to sell. So, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Well, how much uh, do you think of the shows? You know, I, I'm assuming they probably work on more or less a weekly budget um, mm-hmm. that they're, uh, you know, for their sets and costumes and whatnot. How much of that do you think went for that 30 second scene at the end in the airport where, you oh, know, yeah. like it just seems like that seems. They don't leave the the house all that often mm-hmm. in the series, yeah. And for such a small portion of it, that like mm-hmm. you said, could have been handled, yeah, in, in a different way. Well, like seems. if all the other staff were were working for cost, then yeah. uh, then they had the extra money in the budget. Yeah, I, maybe <laughs> it just seems like that that Polly could have come or uh, Lily, I should say, could have come back to town with her 
support mm-hmm. animal. Um, yeah, you know, to show Rose how independent she had become. Yeah, and thanked her for it there in the on the lanai. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does seem like, and I'm sure it's an alternating thing, you know, because like the obviously is out of order, I guess, because of production and everything like that. But like the previous episode, they only had like the one guest person right so it's a small cast so this one could have a big cast and then two episodes ago had a huge cast as well because they were at the benefit of oh the that's right yeah that was probably their biggest cast um you know so it's when they so you just sort of rotate um yeah we d- got to see the lanai from a different perspective than we are typically exactly. used to so but at least we discovered that you know it's it's not just the golden tour chilly on yeah lanai. everybody <laughs> needs to dress warmly on there <laughs> right well you know they like to keep Miami the ac December, cranked up yeah exactly <laughs> so um it's pre-global warming yeah exactly. <laughs> so, it's a nippy march <laughs> Well, so, even Miami Vice, they always wore jackets, so. That's true, um, but that was because it's cool. I thought it was dress code. Oh, was it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be part of the Vice squad? Well, yeah, like detectives have to wear jackets. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like a suit jacket or whatever, you know. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know, but I feel like if you're going with that, the detective should wear a tie, you know, or at least a collared shirt. Yeah, playing, you know. Read that fine print on the dress code. <laughs> it's like, sorry, chief. It doesn't say I need a tie. <laughs> she seems they were having some uh, some union work out there. Mm-hmm. That, exactly. <laughs> like, look, the fine print does not specify. <laughs> exactly. I'm following the letter of the law, not the spirit. <laughs> the colors are what I choose them to be. <laughs> exactly. So, Ski, who would uh, your MVP for that episode be? I think Lily. She had, like, the primary, like... Uh, character arc if you will hmm. yeah I'd say that's fair what about you Brent I'm gonna go with Richard Boners to Bone <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah I mean I'll probably go with Lily as well um, what about Becky <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly no or you know the flight attendant yeah <laughs> Boarding or whatever but yeah just because it's one of those things that like flow i mean you know we mentioned you know emmy nominated whatever right um but then like yeah it's just two years later she's doing this one-off guest star and, mm-hmm. and then like going forward it was pretty much just that <laughs> it's yeah. like her, her star fell kind of not far i mean she's got a nice career and lots of one-offs and stuff like that but i don't know it's just one of those things that like if you're an academy award nominee you see that shit on the poster for like every movie you're in for the rest of your life but it doesn't seem like emmy nominees get as much love yeah i wonder if i think part of it's just the time that she was in because yeah i think nowadays if you have an actress or actor or Mm -hmm. whatnot that has been nominated for a major award Mm -hmm. there's so many vehicles out there you know Mm -hmm. it just with all the various streaming services and whatnot, there's yeah. just so much entertainment being made at this point yeah. that if you have any kind of a big credit like that to your name, you're going to find plenty of work. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I think at the time there's, I mean, I think they called out all three of the uh, primary networks with their different references, which I really liked. I love that they referenced current, mm-hmm. you know, uh, television and that, which is just really rare. I, yeah. I feel like to see. Uh, but that was basically it. I mean, you had those three networks and the little bits, you know, from other things. So maybe it was just that you kind of got your one shot, you know, at stardom. And unless you were someone who really transcended like a Lucille Ball type of, a, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, big name or, or, you know, like B. Arthur, you know, of course, 
was a star in multiple things, but mm-hmm. that was a rarity back then because there was just so so many fewer yeah um, you know options. So yeah, there's I mean if you compare the amount of shows back then to now, mm-hmm. it's probably a hundred to one or, or crazier than that. Yeah, and plus I mean it was definitely you know considered sort of a lesser than medium. Right, it's like you know there are TV stars and there are movie stars and. Yeah, you don't really jump switch. Right. I think even maybe to some degree, play star like 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 stage actors mm-hmm. maybe had higher prestige in some regards. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Um. Well, I, I I've mentioned this before to my kids, but when I was younger, you could have a a decent knowledge of pop culture from your time all the way back to when you know at least when TV began, but really even a little prior to that. Whereas now there's so many things you can't know everything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Even the big things, you yeah. know, you're only going to know a certain percentage yeah, of them. There's only so many hours in the day of things you could watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you see headlines. It's like you know, all of the following TV shows have been renewed. And I was yeah. like, I've never heard of any of these shows. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are enough people watching that they're going to make more of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just there's just so much more out there than there ever used to be. I mean, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I remember watching Nick at night. So I got a pretty good, you know, cross section of, of shows that were big back in the, you know, forties and fifties and, you know, sixties. And, you know, nowadays, like, like even having the kids sit down to watch a show that was really big in our time, like friends or something, mm-hmm. um, it just seems like almost a waste of time because they have mm-hmm. so many other options of current stuff to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, not boner was on friends. He played Lowell. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> so, so from now on, we just go forward with, um, let's see, I think the guy's name was uh, Andrew Koenig. No, that actually is Boner. Um, yeah, no, Stuart <laughs> Fracken. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> Stuart Fracken is not Boner going exactly. forward. Stuart not not Boner Fracken. Exactly. <laughs> Next time he appears on the Goldens, that's how we'll call him. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, he never returns. Yeah, it is sad. Out of all these uh, guest stars, not a single one was a two-timer, so... Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, I would also agree with both of you with Lily as as the MVP of this episode. Mm-hmm. Best, one of the best guest appearances so far, um, outside of maybe Stan, um, who you know of course is our only really recurring guest star. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, how many slices of cheesecake would this one earn for you, Ski? Um, I liked it, but it wasn't like any of my favorites. I'd say four and a half. That's fair. It, it, I would probably go around the same. I mean, I think I'd give it a. I'd, I'd give it a four and a half also. It was a, a good episode, but it wasn't particularly funny. And I feel like to really crack, mm-hmm. you know, much above a four for me, like if you, to get into the five, six range or higher, it really needs to be a, a particularly funny episode. And I wouldn't call this that, but it was certainly an, an enjoyable one. So yeah, four and a half for me as well. And how about you, Mr. Recap? Uh, I go with uh, four slices. Four um, slices. Yep. One for each Benson reference. <laughs> <laughs> so there are four Benson references, or just you gave four Benson references? Um, we mentioned Benson in relation to Bob, in relation to Susan, in relation to um, his affair with Miss Ellie, and in relation to the flight attendant playing the senator. Oh, wow, time. man. Well, very nice. She wove that in there awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So until next week's episode of uh, Benson Cast, uh, stay golden, Coco. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. 
If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.